This is my uh, third Mass of, t of the day. Um, I don't know why I said that to you. Because my other two Masses that I did, I had an 11.30 wedding and a 2 o'clock wedding. And even though I get teased about it, I pretty much always give the same homily at the weddings that I do. The reason is because the congregations are all totally different. And if it were the same congregation, I wouldn't do that. But in the homily that I give, I always talk about love and, and what the couple is promising when they get married. Because I, I've said this probably to you before, that if I had to tell you what, what I had, I've been a priest 45 years. And if I had to tell you that the thing that I have learned the most is that most of us really don't understand what it means to love. I, I'm very, uh, I, I was very um, struck, I've been very struck by the, you see, I use a specific gospel at weddings. And the gospel comes from John. Uh, and it's the gospel where Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And then he says, actually before that, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. And just as I keep my Father's commandment and remain in his love. It's always struck me that Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Notice he doesn't say, love, you will remain loving or in any in love. It's always my love. And then I give you a new commandment, love one another. And he, just, he could have stopped there, but he doesn't. He says, as I have loved you. And he makes it very clear, very clear. If you keep my commandments, then you will remain in my love. Just as I remain in the Father's love and keep his commandments. It's really interesting because the criteria is keep the command, my commandments, and then you'll remain in my love. Now, why am I saying that today? Because periodically in, in, in all of our lives, um, you have experiences that all of a sudden you have to apply what you've been saying to yourself. You know, I, 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 I'm constantly teaching and preaching, constantly to people. But periodically, God strikes me over the head and says, you better listen to your own homilies. <clears throat> and not that I don't, but, but, you know, it's interesting because this is my job. I'm a, I'm a professional religion guy, okay? I, I'm a, that's my job. 
And I, I, I don't get me wrong, I, I, most of the time I love it. Sometimes I want to blow the church up, but most of the time I love it. But when you do something, what is that old saying? Familiarity breeds contempt. Now contempt, contempt is, is it's interesting because I'm, I'm going to do another word that I want to explain to you. Contempt is not um, treating somebody by, by, you know, contemptuously, like disgracefully. That's not contempt. Contempt is <clears throat> not giving the due dignity to what you are present to. <clears throat> that was a horrible way of saying it. <clears throat> you are not giving the dignity that you are supposed to give. That's contempt. That's why, for example, a judge can hold you in contempt of court, that you are behaving in a way that is not high enough or it's not respecting the environment that you're in. You're, it may not be that you're awful, you're just being disrespectful and not coming up to the standards. <clears throat> Familiarity breeds contempt. Contempt for a priest a lot of times, you get so used to preaching stuff and to talk, talking about stuff. And then periodically, like I've been saying, you come to face something and you realize that you got to listen to your own homily. Anyway, let me tell you what happened. I'm not going to mention any names or anything like that. It happened some time ago. I was spoken to by a person in a very distasteful way. And I felt, to a large degree, I was treated unjustly um, by, a, by a person. And I remember afterwards, my mind kept on ruminating. They said this, and this isn't true, and that's not true, and they should have said this, and how could they have said this, and who, how? They, and it was back and forth. It was like a whirlwind inside my head, you know, of, of having been mistreated. And I didn't want to feel like that. I, I really did. It's not a pleasant feeling at all. And then. My, 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 my eyes happened to fall on Jeremiah, the reading. Actually, it was interesting because it was the reading today. But all of a sudden, I applied it to myself. So I'm going to be focusing in on the first reading from Jeremiah. Because I think it's something that we may misunderstand. Now I'm going to read a different, little bit different version, a little translation than the one that was proclaimed. It's basically the same thing. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals, 
and make their make mere flesh their strength whose hearts turn away from the Lord they shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see relief come they shall live in a parched land a place of wilderness in an uninhabited salt land let me stop there the very first thing I want you to understand that I had to understand myself is when God says cursed is the because when you think of cursed you imagine someone invoking some kind of a prayer or invocation that will harm you or some injury that will come upon you. I am cursing you or someone put a curse on me. But that's not what that means. There's a better definition and that, these are two definitions I got from uh, Webster's Dictionary. The second definition, actually this was the fourth definition. The first definition was a prayer or invocation for harm or injury to come upon another person or to come upon someone. That was the first one. And that's normally what you think of a curse. You know, because you, you, when, when you hear Jeremiah says, saying, cursed are those who trust in mere mortals. You think it's God putting the curse on that person. It's not. Look at the fourth, at the fourth definition. Curse. A cause of great harm or misfortune. A cause of great harm and misfortune. That's what Jeremiah was talking about. Now listen to Listen to the first part of what I just read. Not with the first definition, but with a cause of great harm and misfortune as the definition of curse. Let me reread it with that definition. A cause of great harm, a cause of great harm and misfortune befalls those who trust in mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They're like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see relief when it comes. They live in a parched land, places of wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. That's exactly where I was. It's exactly where I was because my mind kept on going round and round and round about how could I be so wrong? How could I be treated this way? And it just, and I started to get bitter and I started to get, uh, and I saw that the other person had some, some points, but they didn't have enough and how could they treat me like that and I was I was like a shrub in the desert I felt miserable like a shrub in the desert 
who could not find relief. I was living in a parched land, a place in the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Anyway, when I finally realized what the heck I was doing, I remembered my own definition of love that I give at weddings. And when I, at, at weddings, I always challenge the couple because I say, look, you are not promising to be in love. You can't promise to be in love. Nobody can. Because being in love is mostly associated with your feelings. And you cannot control your feelings. Some days your feelings will be here and you'll be down and up and down. And if you are constantly thinking that you are how you feel, you're in real trouble. You're in real trouble because your feelings, you can't control them. And if you think that your feelings are you, you're going to be a little bit sometimes happy and most of the time pretty miserable because you can't control. That's why, by the way, I, I always teach people, that's why we talk about falling in love. I always ask the couple, I always ask, have you ever, why don't you use like run or jump? You know, and I say to, have you ever told her, I jumped into love with you or I walked into love with you or I ran into love with you? And of course, we don't ever use that. We use the word fall, which is why we're talking about our emotions. Well, I, I, was, I wasn't in falling in love. I was falling into misery. I was falling into my own emotions. And I was taking around and round and round and round, listening to myself. And this is, it's interesting, because here it says, it says, it says here, cursed, I was trusting in my own, I was trusting in my own, intelligence to solve how I felt, to solve the insult, to solve it. I was trusting in myself. Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make the flesh their strength, whose hearts are far away from the Lord. At that time, my heart was far away. I was involved in myself. I felt like a shrub in the desert. I felt like I could not see any relief coming. It felt like I was living in a parched land, a place in the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. And then I figured it out. Well, I didn't figure it out. I think God often comes to your life and says, Hello, I'm here. Lift up your eyes and stop looking at your own navel, you know, and stop trying to solve your own issues. By the way, Mario, do you know God doesn't call me Father Mario? He just, just says Mario. Anyway, he says, by the way, Mario, what is love? What are you constantly saying to couples and weddings? 
And I use the definition, love is the decision to unite yourself with God in caring for the good of another, no matter how you feel. And I got that from the guy behind me, the crucified guy behind me. Because I'm always amazed when we say Jesus loves us. Where do we get that? Where do you get that? And where you get that is, when, look at what we did to him. And he had every reason, every justification to look at all of us and say, to hell with you, to hell with all of you, you're not worth it. But at that moment, when he felt miserable, instead of going deep into his own feelings and doing the Freudian thing of, I've got to express my feelings, which is a lot of bull, he lifted up his eyes to his father. And he connected with his father. And he said, Father... I want to join you in caring about them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that's what I was having to do. I was having to stop ruminating about myself, about what had happened and solving my own problems. And I had to go, okay, uh, so what if you got treated unjustly? He got treated unjustly. So what if the other person wasn't 100% right? So what? Are you going to, are you going to, what is that old saying, pick up a, a burning coal and wait so you can throw it at him while it burns the stuff out of your hand? And so what if you were injured? So what? Are you going to make it, let it make you a more miserable human being? Because that's what it does. That's what it does. And so, I, find, I said, okay, point well made. Point well made, sir. Up there. Point well made. And I looked up. And I said, it doesn't matter how I was treated. I have to join you in letting go of that and caring and being a reflection of what you want for that person, no matter how I feel. And that's how you do it. No, I didn't do it. I was kicked in the butt to go to look up instead of relying inside of my own, my own self. And then you hear then the second part of it, the second part of the reading today. Because I experienced exactly the second part. Not all, not all like that, but I began to connect. Listen to what happens when you do it the other way. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is God. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when the heat comes. And boy, the heat was there. And its leaves stay green. In the year of drought, 
or you're in the middle of all whatever you're in the middle of, it's not anxious and it does not cease to bear fruit. Now, this was not part of the reading today, <laughs> but, but I just have to add it. Because today it ended with verse 8. But listen to verse 9, because it's just amazing. The heart is devious above all else. It's perverse. Who can understand it? Yes. I, the Lord, test the mind. I search the heart to give all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their choices. Anyway, just an experience that I thought I would talk about today.